Hello and welcome to Running on Joy with Francesca Goodwin, the podcast that celebrates putting one foot in front of the other in whatever form that takes. This is a podcast that explores how we can live in a more connected, creative and compassionate manner for the benefit of our communities, our planet and our own mental and physical health. I'm your host, Francesca Goodwin, and every week I'll be asking a new interviewee what joy means to them. Running on Joy is ad-free, but if you enjoy the show, please do take a moment to leave a review and give feedback wherever you listen to your podcasts. You might also consider supporting the work of Running on Joy guest Dan Lawson through rubbish shoes and rerun clothing to end the cycle of wastage in the sports clothing and footwear industries. Follow at Rubbish Shoes and at Rerun.Clothing on Instagram for further information. Hello everyone, happy Monday for when you're listening to this eventually. My guest today is the embodiment of never letting anyone tell you that you can't do anything because by golly have they done all the things. <laughs> 20 years ago they did not run at all but earlier this year they ran 104 marathons in 104 days which in itself is quite something. But 20 years ago, at only 26, they also lost their leg to Ewing sarcoma, a rare type of bone cancer. Now they are one of the most accomplished amputee ultramarathoners around with a passion for bringing the joy of running to other amputees. They're a literal trailblazer in the ultra running world and hold numerous firsts and world records, including, I believe, the first amputee to run 100 miles on a treadmill in under 24 hours, which again is a feat for anyone, <laughs> and the first amputee to take on the brutal Trans Rockies mountain stage race in Colorado. Um, for those that don't know, this race covers 120 miles with over 20,000 foot of climbing and running at altitude. I might also add that this is balanced with being an endurance coach and a dedicated parent. They are, in my opinion, a total badass. And so it's with immense gratitude and sense of privilege that I now welcome them to the podcast and invite them to introduce themselves in the manner of their choosing. Hello. Hi, <laughs> I'm Jackie Hunt-Brushma. I guess I have to put my, my surname on there too. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really excited to be on the podcast. Thank you for having me on. Wicked. Well, thank you for being here, Jackie. <laughs> and we've just, been, we've just been discussing that you have spent some time in the UK, but I'd be interested to kind of hear about uh, like growing up and, and, and yeah. your early life as well and just get to know you a bit better. Um, I was born and raised in South Africa, actually, um, and then my husband and I got married. husband and I decided to move to um, Holland, um, and then we lived there for a while, um, and that's kind of where I was diagnosed with my cancer while we were living out there. Um, um, and then from Holland, we moved to the UK. Um, both my kids were born in the UK and now we're and then we moved from the UK we moved um, five years ago and then moved to the States um, and yeah we kind of I think traveling's in our blood so we're we're always kind of traveling and going new places we we get we get like a five five year itch and we're like <laughs> okay where are we going next <laughs> anywhere anywhere planned for what, what what stage are you at in the five-year cycle at the moment well we've been we've been in arizona because we moved we when we moved to the states we moved to north carolina mm -hmm. and then from north carolina we've just moved to arizona so we've been here a year so we've got another four years <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see who well, knows maybe, maybe we'll move back to Europe I don't know we'll see we'll see well yeah we'll see what the plans are it gets a little bit more tricky when you have kids to be honest um a lot of our traveling was done before we have kids mm. um so yeah with kids there's kind of a little bit more of guilt um yeah should we disrupt them should we move them <laughs> and yeah but I'm sad to say they've lost their British accent because when we moved to the UK when we moved from the UK here they both had like proper British accents mm -hmm. and now they've on like no they must say accents <laughs> so they're now saying tomato rather than tomato oh uh, yes <laughs> that's gone <laughs> and they're always correcting me they're like no mom that's not how you say it <laughs> so yeah it's funny <laughs> well, th 
thank you for that. And you did, you did in that introduction mention um, your diagnosis, which happened in Holland. Yes. And um, I wonder if you don't mind talking about it. Like, what was it like when you first heard that? Um, it was, it was, it was kind of, it, I mean, it, obviously it was scary and it was something I wasn't expecting because what happened was kind of to take a step back with it. Um, I had, um, I had had surgery done on my leg um, a long time ago and I had kind of like a scar, a long scar on my leg. Um, and the scar was just really painful to the touch and it kind of got worse. So I went to see the doctor and the doctor just kept telling me it was scar tissue. Don't worry about it. It's fine. It's just scar tissue. There's nothing you're going to do with do about it. You have to kind of deal with the pain and it's just going to be one of those things. And it was funny because I went to see him and the, ne- the the day that evening I went to bed and in the morning I woke up and that scar had kind of popped out and it was the size of a golf ball like on my le- And I was like, what the hell? And I kind of freaked out a little bit. And I was like, I wasn't sure what to expect. So got it, made another appointment with the doctor um, and obviously living in, in um, the Netherlands, it was always, everyone is like um, the Dutch, are, the Dutch are known for being very direct. So they don't sugarcoat anything. And um, when I saw this doctor and obviously he panicked and he was like, okay, um, we're going to have to send you for, for a biopsy. Um, scheduled immediately for a biopsy, went and saw them. And it, and it was weird at the time because um, they I went in for the biopsy and they said, well, um, if we phone you, we, we normally give you four days for results to kind of give you a call about results. If we phone you in the first two days, you know the news is not going to be good. So, and if we don't phone you in those two days, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and, I, and it's weird at the time, I didn't even think it could be cancer. I was like, oh, I don't know what it's going to be. I, I don't know what I was thinking. It was weird. Like cancer wasn't like, because I felt like cancer happens to someone else. It's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. I'll be fine. And of course, I went back to work. Um, at the time, I was working in pharmaceutical marketing. And um, obviously, tra- I was traveling a lot. Um, and I just kind of shut off. I just kind of ignored it. And the first day went by. It was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Day two, obviously, my phone rang. And the doctor was like, well, you need to come in. But when you come in, for you need to come in. We can't give you a result of the phone. You need to come in. And um, you need to bring someone with you, which is never a good thing. Let me tell you. If a doctor says that, yeah, you know it's not going to be good news. And... Um, I walked in and obviously it being the Dutch, he just, he's like, well, you got cancer um, and explained to me what was happening. And I think at the time, like they were, they were talking about it and I was, um, I was there, but I wasn't there. Like I was kind of, I shut myself off because I just didn't want to hear what was going on. Mm. Cause I was like, yeah, this is not happening to me. And I kind of went into a little bit of denial um and straight after the appointment I was like I'm going back to the office I don't want to know anything about that and then the next few days it kind of was a bit of a whirlwind I was in this massive whirlwind because I had to then from there you they they then send you for a whole bunch of scans um to check if the cancer had spread because that was the the problem with the type of cancer I had because it would spread straight to your lungs so I had to make sure that it hadn't spread to the rest of my body and so it was kind of like, it was just such a big whirlwind and I had, had an appointment with a specialist and thinking that, okay, I'm going to go see the specialist. It's going to be some kind of treatment. I'll probably have surgery so they can remove the lump and it'll be all fine. And walked into to see the specialist and he sat me down and he's like, well, your only option is amputation. And I was like, what? And it was like, that was not even on my mind at all. So I'd gone from cancer diagnosis to amputation, like in a span of a week. And straight after that, the next week I was scheduled in for my surgery. So like within like two, three weeks, I went, it it was just like, it was insane. Like everything just happened so quickly and I just didn't have time to think about it. Um, So it was it was it was hard. It was kind of all these emotions that you kind of had to kind of go through and just and I, I think in a sense I just didn't have time to, to process it all because I just everything was happening so quickly. I mean that must just have been a 
total a total whirlwind um and I can imagine like that there would be a lot of conflicting feelings as well like then and straight afterwards because I guess you know you're alive they can do something but they've cut your leg off as well so like I mean exactly exactly (laughs) it was it was a weird time because on one part I was I everyone was saying you should feel grateful because you're alive but on the other side I was losing part of my body and it was Mm. kind of a big thing to accept so there was part of me that was really angry because of everything that was happening then then I had guilt because I wasn't feeling I wasn't feeling grateful for being alive because I was angry because I was losing my leg it was just I kind of felt like I was in this emotional roller coaster because I just wasn't sure what I should be feeling but I was and on top of it I was feeling all these emotions and then it was guilt it was anger it was just like it was it was a, a weird time and I imagine sometimes you kind of, you might have felt that sort of oh I need to be strong I need to be seen to be strong because that's what that's what cancer survivors do kind of thing and that's <laughs> yeah, that's also it, just such an I always try to be kind of open about the emotions because I'm like you kind of yeah because you do and it's like everyone like you should be grateful for surviving and it's mm-hmm. like and I'm like no you need to take your time and I've learned now over the years I'm like no you need to take your time to heal and it's okay to feel those emotions because I'm I'm glad I went through them because it 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 made me who I am today but it is it is like this whole stigma of no you need to be strong and you need to be appreciated that you're alive and and no, it's like you need to go through all those emotions and it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be sad and you'll have good days, you'll have bad days because I mean, some days I was then like, okay, no, I can I can be, I, I'm grateful I'm alive and I was happy. But then the next day, the anger would creep in or the sadness because I was losing, because it's weird, like you, you lose part of your body so it kind of feels like you're mourning that mm-hmm. part of your body that has left like it's gone and it's just like and it, there's this whole emotional side of things where you have to accept your new body mm-hmm. and and at the time I was only in my 20s so it was kind of it was a big deal because I just kind of for a long time I wouldn't look at myself in the mirror because I thought I was ugly because I wasn't I didn't look normal I didn't look like everyone else and it was and I mean people would stare and it's just like you suddenly you were you felt like you were invincible and you were you you looked like everyone else and things like that and then suddenly you you kind of feel like you just don't belong anymore because you just look so different I mean as a young woman as well I mean your your early 20s are difficult enough (laughs) to navigate in terms of kind of who you think you should be what you think you should look like what you want to maybe look like and things and then you've got this massive change that your body has undergone and it's not one that you've chosen either um and I imagine that must have like put a whole nother layer of complexity onto everything it, for you yeah and, it, and it's and it's weird because it's like you still then have like I'm coming back to the whole thing of a little bit of guilt because you just it's for me that was the hardest part not the cancer diagnosis or try and surviving cancer it was more the the dealing with the fact that I'm now an amputee Mm. and that part of me was like that I really struggled with um and it was weird because it's like ever yeah because then but, but you survived you've survived you're alive and and I went into like a massive depression for a while too because I was like I just don't want to be this person I'm like I don't want to be an amputee I don't I want and a lot of times I would cry and just say I just want my leg back and it's the weirdest thing and it's just like but you're having all these emotions and kind of going through your head but you've survived you're alive so you need to be appreciative but yet you're just like wanting your leg back so it was yeah and no one no one can give that to you like the no so it took me a long time to accept and and it's and it and it's fine because it's things I had to go through and just Mm -hmm. kind of it's a process it's a long process um you kind of have to go through all those emotions because it's like you then get fitted with a prosthetic and it's and it's not easy it's like you don't just get a prosthetic and then you're walking and it's and it's 
it's it's all processes that you kind of have to go through and you have to deal with it, the frustration or not being able to walk and then trying to learn to walk again on this device that your brain doesn't trust and but it's but it makes you stronger and I'm a big believer in it it's it all I wouldn't take it back like I would if I had to, like like my kids often ask, it's like, mommy, would you have rather not gone through all this and things? Of course I would have not. I mean, I would have preferred a different direction. But on the other hand, it's made me it's made me who I am today. So I'm I'm grateful for my journey and how I struggled to kind of get to where I am. Um and yeah, it's just yeah. Um yeah, I look at life totally different. You are in- incredible, Jackie. And that's just on the subject of your children. Had you had children at that point or was that something that came after? No, that came after. Um yeah, we I what my son was when I was 35. So mm-hmm. yeah, that was quite a long while after. Um I think there was a little part of me that was worried and for a long time I struggled with that because I didn't want to pass my cancer on to them. So it was kind of that, that I didn't want to, I was always worried. I was kind of in the back of my head, like um, what happens if they end up getting my cancer and I'd feel really guilty and stuff. But then like research has got so much better and things like that. So we knew that the type of cancer I had was just, it wasn't genetic. It wasn't, Mm -hmm. it was just, yeah, luck of the straw, I guess. And just like the, the luck of the draw and, um, yeah, it was just one of those things. And that's kind of when we could like, yeah. And then we had children. Thank you so much for sharing that because I think it's something that isn't, isn't discussed. Like you said, there's, there's the getting over the cancer diagnosis, then there's the amputation and like, and, but there's all of these micro things that are actually macro in your head that are maybe bigger, (laughs) that become bigger than, than the cancer diagnosis and everything. And, and people just don't see those narratives or maybe appreciate like what a big thing they can be. And like, I just, it's just everything stacking up. And you really are, I'm going to say it many times in this conversation, but what you've been through and the generosity of like what you bring to the world through that is, is just amazing. (laughs) I'm just, I'm, I'm so, so glad that like, that you've said that kind of, you wouldn't take it back because, because there are so many things that that I well I feel from like you know reading your story and things that have come from this and one of them is is running and do you think you would have run if you hadn't lost your leg no (laughs) it's weird it's it's like when you lose something like that it is then suddenly you're wanting to do things that you wouldn't have done when you had two legs it's weird it's like you you have this switch like it's like you you kind of not need to prove yourself but you just you just want to do what everyone else is doing like a kind of a normal thing like uh, um and I guess running was kind of one of those things because I wasn't I definitely wasn't a runner before I honestly thought runners were a little crazy because it's like why would you want to do that but when I lost my leg, it was, it was frustrating watching like my husband's a runner and like he would just be able to put a pair of running shoes on and out the door he goes. Mm. But with me, it would be like, I couldn't run in my walking leg because it was just too heavy. So I, I would need a running leg to go running. And it's like, it was like that whole step frustrated me because I was like, but I want to be able to do it too. And I kind of, you kind of get to that point where you just, you, you also have all the, negativity in your head a lot of like you can't do this because you're an amputee you can't do this you can't like there's a lot of no's happening like when you first become an amputee and it's super frustrating like you get put in this box of uh, you you're now disabled and you're Mm -hmm. not and over the times over the years things have definitely got so much better but when I when I was diagnosed with it and I was losing my leg every the whole stigma was like oh she's gonna be in a wheelchair now and it's just like there was this whole stigma about being an amputee. And so I I was determined to just try different things, just kind of just get out there and just try it and just see what happens. And so running was one of those things. And I think it was just because going to the races with my husband and just 
just seeing seeing what was out there and things i i wanted to just try it and see what happens and i and it, and it was funny because i thought i'd probably just do like a 5k and that would be it um <laughs> the first 5k race i ever did was awful oh, no. and i was like i ran like i ran one mile out of those three miles that was it and it was just like it was awful and but i was i was determined not to give up and I'm like, you know what? No, I want to try that. There, there has to be something here. And it's just, I just kept trying and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I stuck with it because it definitely changed my life. And, and I, and I say that often is I kind of feel like running, not saved me, but it was kind of, it just helped me mentally, like more accept my body and just realize how amazing these bodies are because a lot of times we take it for granted and I just think it just put a different perspective it gave me a new love for my body and 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 now I'm proud to be an amputee because I'm Mm -hmm. like you know what this body can do incredible things and just like it just puts things in a different perspective so I always I always try to encourage like other amputees to kind of take up they don't have to take up running but do some kind of form of exercise because I think just mentally it is if you're moving, you're feeling stronger, you're just it gives you it gives you new goals, it gives you new things to look forward to and just kind of it just feels it makes you feel more human, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it feels that it makes you feel more part of doing things, like everyone else is doing things, and you're kind of just feeling a little bit more normal. Also, you were doing something more than so many people too. Like, I mean, if you look at like, I mean, running's obviously getting more popular and sort of jogging and you see more people jogging down the street, but there's a hell of a lot of people in the world that don't run. And so you you running sort of like then puts you on, you're on another level, really. (laughs) Yeah, don't do easy. I don't do easy. I'm like, I could have chosen something else. It would have been a lot easier, but I don't. And I'm interested, what were the, because obviously you had to learn to to walk first with a prosthetic and kind of, I mean, that must have been incredibly difficult as well. And as you say, kind of trusting in something that isn't part of your body, but your body having to kind of assimilate that and then you trusting in that process. But then a running blade is different as well. Um, And so what were the kind of practicalities in terms of adapting to that? Um, It's weird. Like it's, it's so funny because when you have your running blade made, they literally, the process is they'll give it to you and you kind of go into a, like um, anywhere that they can find a spot for you to run. And then they give you it and they're like, oh, yeah, just test it. Let's just check your line and go run. Oh. And it was like coming from not ever being a runner. I had no idea what like what a good form was, <laughs> what is like what is a stride I'm like oh am I doing it right so you literally are given this thing and then you just have to go and run and it was weird like the the first the first few times I mean the first time I ran with it it just felt magical because I was I was super excited because I was doing something I didn't think I'd be able to do but after a while I noticed that I I had to train my brain to trust this thing that I was running on and it's like going from walking to running is so different is because you're moving faster so you're 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 just kind of I had to learn to really trust it and for a long time I would only run on my good side so my good side's muscles would like be getting bigger and toning and stuff and I was getting weaker on my left side which is where my my um amputation is and so I had to eventually kind of do like like silly things like jumping on one leg just to kind of get get that like trust there just to so that my brain would know okay you're not going to fall you're fine mm-hmm. and it's just it's, it was a weird process because it was like I don't know why I didn't think I just naively thought like when you get when your leg is amputated you get a prosthetic and you just you would just learn to walk on it I didn't do the connection of that your brain actually doesn't trust what you have your brain still thinks it 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 like starts realizing in the beginning your brain my brain still thought that my foot was there Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times I'd get out of the out of bed and put my foot out and my foot's not there so I'd hit the ground really hard so it was like it was like a process but then your brain learns that it's not there anymore but then you have this prosthetic it's like you're as if you're tricking your brain all the time it's a weird process and then you're kind of having to learn to trust a device that's strapped to your leg and your brain knows it's not there 
Um, so it's it's all these processes and running. Yeah, running was weird. Like I had to learn to kind of, I could run, but I wasn't running correctly just because I wasn't putting all my pressure on my prosthetic. So it was just, it took some time to kind of get into it. Did you find that kind of learning and sort of problem solving process actually kind of helped you in a way? Because it's a way of kind of channeling your attention into something that, well, I can learn this (laughs) and there's going to be an outcome to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it it definitely did. Um, It definitely helped um, process everything. But it also it also it also gave me a little bit more of a connection to my body. Mm -hmm. So I know my body so well now, like I know like anything like any any issues I get, I know where it's from and stuff. It's like weird. It like puts you, it definitely puts you closer in perspective to knowing what your body needs and what your body's doing and things like that. And did it, you, you talked about that one of the difficulties becoming an amputee was other people's reactions as well, or kind of your perceived reactions to, I guess, with, um, with being with other people. And what was it like, when you but that sort of like first 5k for example and maybe some other events afterwards so what was the community like and what was what was their reaction um it's been it's been a mix like um it's definitely got better and the community i mean everyone's always super supportive um and 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 it's it's always great but there's always there used to be kind of a fine line of people being supportive but also feeling sorry for you type of thing like oh poor her look at her and stuff like that and I and I and that used to bother me in the beginning because I was like no don't feel sorry for me I'm here I'm doing things I'm great I'm absolutely fine and now I just I just look at it a total different I mean especially going into ultra into the ultra running community is people are like super supportive and just they're they're more surprised well less surprised now because a lot of people know me now um Mm. but they're it's it's more of a um that it's more of a like wow she's doing this um so I I should be able to do it and stuff so it's great kind of that shift a little bit but it's also it's been great because it's I think it's definitely brought me out of my shell a little bit because I've always like I kind of hid my prosthetic and I was, I was a little embarrassed about it and I didn't want people to know really and things. And I think running now I kind of walk around with just a pair of shorts on and I don't care. Um, I mean, people will stare and ask questions and stuff and that's great, but it used to really bother me. And it's mm-hmm. like, now I just feel like I've, I've got more confidence in who I am and, and what I look like. And I'm like, Oh yeah, my prosthetics are cool. I'm like, yeah, I want to rather show them off now. So it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I'm so grateful for running. <laughs> They're also like coveted pieces of equipment, like, cause they're expensive, aren't they? <laughs> the running blades. So, Especially because we don't have NHS. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So like, my, my first, my first blade was like $10,000. Oh. And then my, yeah. And my next one was like 20. So it just, it's insane. Um, and, and it's, it's always a battle to get in health insurance to cover it. Mm-hmm. Um, some will, some won't, and the rules are so different. Um, and so it's just, it's frustrating because on one hand, you feel like being active is mentally is really good for you, especially when you're an amputee. And then, but then you're fighting the system because they don't believe you should be active because it's still the old, the old way of thinking, old fashioned way of thinking is like, oh, but why do you, you want, you're an amputee. You can just, you don't need to do anything, just stay at home. So it's, it's, it's a weird, like, it's a weird thing that they do. Sorry, I nearly swore then quite badly. Just like, <laughs> for goodness sake. Like, it's also. I know, it's just, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it is absolutely just ridiculous. Because it's a but, question yeah. of your, your, you know, there's a difference between existing and living your life. And it sounds from what I'm hearing like having that running blade just suddenly gave you just this yeah. incredible new lease of life that Exactly. Exactly. And it's just it's it's weird that they're still I kind of feel like they're still quite backwards in the States with things like that. Just it's just dumb. I just won't understand it. Um 
and that I mean because I even spoke to someone two years ago I think it was just when I was doing my next running blade and yeah they were saying that well that's the issues they're still having now and I'm like really it's just yeah it's just weird can you just sit on your ass, Jackie, and knit, please, all day? Oh, no, I, I think I should. Do. Yeah, that would probably be better for everyone, right? <laughs> just stick to that. <laughs> which leads me nicely onto, I mean, it wasn't just that you started running, which is like yeah. amazing in itself and obviously gave you so much. But then you went into one, like, massively longer distances that any human being like would would kind of balk at sort of tackling and then also trail <laughs> running too I mean for anyone yeah, like I any know. of your doctors saying like no you just need to sit down and then you're like well actually I'm gonna go and run a mountain I'll have you know <laughs> like I just have so much respect for that and I just wonder like what was driving you to kind of you know you hated your first 5k and then you thought I probably better do more of these <laughs> you know what it was it was driven by the fact that people were like, no, again. I'm like, don't tell me no, because they're not just stupid things. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was, it was the, I kind of, road running, I kind of got a little bit bored with road running. And I was like, oh, I just, I'm not sure. I, and I think, I think a lot of runners kind of struggle with that. But you get to a point in running where you just, you do, you get bored with it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, this is really hard. And so, Someone's, someone recommended and asked, have you ever considered doing trail running? And I was like, oh, I wonder if I could do trail running. And the thing is, running blades are designed for road. That's it. They were always designed for road. They still are, basically. Um, so you 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 already have this, this thing that the tread on the bottom is road tread. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, yeah, well, let's go see what this thing can do on the trails. And, of course, <laughs> everyone, like even um, – the the doctors I'd been seeing, um, they were all like, no, do not do trail running on on a blade. You are going to fall. And I was like, oh, yeah, maybe I'll fall, but wouldn't that be cool? That like, we, as long as if I fall, we need to go on camera. So it's going to be an epic wipeout. It's fine. And so I kind of, and it was weird. Like my first trail run, I was, I was scared because I had all these thoughts in my head, like what people had said and like, mm-hmm. be careful and you're going to fall and stuff. And the first one was magical because I didn't fall and it was doing something that everyone was saying I couldn't do. And I was like, oh, my goodness. And at the time, we were living in North Carolina. And North Carolina is um, is very – the trails are very rooty. Um, lots of, like, if, you, if you're doing it – and the time when I started, stupidly, it was, it was fall. So it, there was a lot of leaves on the ground and stuff like that. So you can't really see the trails very nicely. And when it rains, it's, like, really muddy and slick and stuff like that. So I chose a great time to start. <laughs> Never like yeah, it's a good way to test it out, and and I had such a great time, and um, so I just kind of I found like I just found this love for trail running just because it pushes my it really pushes my boundaries. It's pretty scary because I'm also I've got I'm I've got fear for heights, <laughs> so I'm like being out. <laughs> doing mountain races I'm like whoa but it's it's exciting because it pushes you out of your 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 boundaries and it just like pushes you and just it's just amazing and then it was funny because and how I got into ultra running was I decided to sign up for my first trail race but instead of just doing a 10 mile trail race I decided to do a 40 mile trail race I was like, oh yeah, that's fine. That's that's a good way of getting into ultra running. That was like my first ultra race. <laughs> Sorry, I need to go. I've got a bit of a cold. No, it's okay. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I got <laughs> into like fell into ultra running, um, and that's yeah. And I kind of fell in love love with it, and it's been great. I haven't looked back. <laughs> Sorry, you're so funny. I just <laughs> the things stack up, don't they? And I've got a fear for heights. I sign up for a mountain race. Um, my first, my first race ever was a forty miler because I just thought, oh well, might as well. <laughs> but, um, but, <laughs> I mean, how did you prepare yourself for that? Or was uh, I mean, was there preparation? <laughs> no, <laughs> I think I kind of I approached it like as if I was running running a, a marathon because I was like, I don't know, and the. the the funny thing is with the race it um it was hurricane season um and so 
part of the trails had washed away. So they actually had to reroute the course. Um, so because some of the trails were so muddy and it was hilarious because I went in there with road tread, with road tread on my blade. Cause I had no clue. I was like, Oh yeah, I, I, I didn't, I think I literally that week before I had bought myself a pair of trail shoes. That was mm. like my first pair of trail shoes. So I was the person showing up at the race with brand new trail shoes that I hadn't worn. I was like, well, I'm ready. I had a new, I had a brand new hydration vest. Everything was like brand new it was hilarious (laughs) and um and it was it was funny because the course was so brutal because it was so muddy and I very quickly learned that my tread was totally crap sorry um because it was just so slick and so there was a lot of like downhill sections which I just had no grip on my blade so I had to kind of go down on my bottom um (laughs) so I was I was like I was like bum shuffling all the way down. I was like, oh, this is fun. Like cross the finish line covered in mud. Um, and yeah, and it's kind of, it, it, I think that race just showed me what I can do and what I can achieve. Um, and to be honest, I finished the race dead last. I was the last person to cross that finish line. I finished within seven minutes of the cutoff for the mm-hmm. race. But it was the proudest moment of my life because I was like, I did absolutely everything to get to the that finish line. I didn't give up on myself. And I was just like, you know what? I did it. And yeah, that's kind of how it's kind of spurred me on a little bit. Oh, Jackie, like, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Because I'm just like <laughs> talking about conflicting emotions. Like, but it's just really, really got me because like so many people will drop out a race because you know they feel a bit sick or like you know it's just like not quite and you like just embraced the whole getting to the finish line in no matter how you're going to do it including like some pretty funky skidding on your butt like which (laughs) is just creativity right there should be more like bum tobogganing going on in ultra races to be honest like just default and you did it and like I can only I mean what was that feeling like to get to get to the end it was amazing because I honestly didn't think I'd get to the end just because Mm. I was becoming so slow on the trails um but it was just and it was the the best and the the, the great part and that's why I love the ultra community it was everyone like all the the race director um all the volunteers had kind of waited for me, obviously, because I was the last one on the course. But they could see me coming through, and you could hear them just cheering me on. It was just the like the most surreal and just the best experience um, coming through and just kind of getting to that finish line. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and the first thing I obviously did was sit down, and then I was like, I'm not sure I can get up. <laughs> <laughs> you've run all that way and I think you deserve a sit down after that as well it's <laughs> gracious and I mean now since then you, you've you've just like grown and grown as as an athlete and tackling more and more incredible things and I guess like a lot of training is kind of now going into that after that <laughs> after that first experience and I'm sort of interested in um in your training and I imagine that you do have to problem solve a lot not just in races but also just yeah. in your kind of day-to-day training as well and do you do you find that you they you get quite frustrated with that as well or? I used to it's weird like when I was first started running because I I really wanted to do I, I really because I'm 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 an all-or-nothing person mm. Um, we had we didn't yeah, tell, well, no, tell. <laughs> yeah. and so I want to do really well and it's just like in the beginning it would like there would be obstacles like my some days I wouldn't be able to do my training run because my stump was all swollen um or like it's like weird like sometimes I put like sometimes you put your running blade on and your stump is just sensitive like for no reason it just isn't comfortable it's just like and it and it those those kind of things coming up with those type of things was really frustrating in the beginning, but now I kind of be, I've become so much better with it. I kind of go with the flow. So I listen to my body. If I'm having if I am having an issue with my blade, if I can't run, then I'll rather go and do the walk. I'll walk the miles and just like as long as I'm kind of moving and just mm-hmm. doing 
kind of so, so I've learned to be more adaptive with that, just kind of be a little bit more flexible. And it's worked out really well because I've not picked up any major injuries, um, which is great. And and it's kind of it's it's just kind of it's helped me. I've I've become more relaxed about it because I'm like, you know what, it is just what it is. I'm always gonna I'm always gonna have to my running's never going to be like anyone else because I because that's the 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 horrible thing I was doing I was comparing myself to normal able-bodied athletes and like I was getting frustrated because I'm like that person can just run so many miles and they're not they're fine and 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 I need to be able to do that and stuff so I was so I've I figure out I can do less less for me is better like it's less so I kind of adapt it that way and and I've been absolutely fine. So it's just kind of adjusting and doing what were kind of listening to my body and knowing what. So when I do have, if I wake up in the morning and my stump's too swollen, it's like, you know what? It is just what it is. I can't change the situation. I can work with it and that's what I'll do. So then some days, yeah, if I, if I can't go for a walk, then maybe I'll do then. Okay. Well today then is not a run day. It's going to be a strength training day Mm -hmm. and kind of switch things around and just be a little bit more flexible. Do you find that, I mean, is it you and your body that are kind of your own best teacher in a way? Because I imagine there aren't really, there are so few people in a similar scenario. Is that difficult, not really having those kind of role models to sort of like actually be able to kind of work out how the hell you're going to do this? Yeah, Yeah, I've I've learned so much um, in these like six years that I've been running just to kind of learn to listen to my body, know what my body needs and just kind of adapt because there is, there's like no information. Like I've had to learn everything myself and just kind of make my own mistakes and kind of know what works for me and just, yeah, just kind of, yeah, learn to kind of go with the flow a little bit and just, but I just, I think it, it, it also equates. I feel like I, I wish people like even other athletes would more learn to listen to their own bodies um, because I, I feel like sometimes they don't and that's where injuries happen. Yeah. Like you just need to just, your body's incredible. Like, like even like nutrition wise, like my body will tell me when I need something, like I'll get a certain craving and then I'll know, okay, I'm got a lack of salt. I need to kind of up my salt. It's like, you, if you become a little bit more in tune with your body, you'll be amazing how your, you'll learn that your body is actually incredible and it just, it will tell you when it needs something or it will tell you when to back off if you're, you're over, over exerting or whatever. Do you find that actually, I mean, cause you have to adapt and preempt. So I imagine like you have to preempt every scenario as well going into a race. I mean, do you find that that's actually almost like not an advantage, but you must be practicing so much yeah. the mental game that, yeah. that other people don't, yeah, don't think, do. I think, I think my mental game has become really strong because it, there is, and it's like, there's so much that's out of my control a lot of the mm. times when I show up for a race because it's like all good in, intentions and you kind of show up and you're like, well, I don't know how this race is going to go. And I approach every race like that because I'm like, you know what, this is my goal, but... I have no idea. Like, like for me, I could go out for a mile and my stump will just say, you know what, today's not going to be a good day. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have to adapt. Then you have to kind of come up with other scenarios. It's like, how are you going to, you're going to be able to do this race in as little pain as possible and kind of just work with it. I mean, I've had, but then I've had other stupid things like my tread during a rate, like halfway through a mountain race, my tread comes off. And so then if you're just running on the carbon, it's like you're going to do so much damage to the $20,000 thing you've got to extract mm-hmm. on. So it's kind of, so now I carry duct tape with me and it's just like, like the little things like that you learn over time that you just, you, I, I've become a really good problem solver. And I think it really helps with ultra runner because most, most ultra runners are problem solvers anyway, because there is always something. But I think with mine, it just takes it to the next level because I have this prosthetic and I'm reliant on this device on my leg, which it is technology. Technology is great, but it can go wrong. And when it does go wrong, it's kind of a big thing that goes wrong. Mm. Um, um, so it's just like trying to always be prepared with different scenarios that I can work with 
And I know, because um, I want to, I want to come on to some of your incredible achievements. But I did just want to want to ask as well regarding, like, does that also help in terms of your relationship with failure? Because I know that things like, for example, Moab two forty didn't go quite to plan last year. Yeah. So I wonder, like, how, how was that for you, and how did you kind of keep keep positive after that and sort of reset and recalibrate and then move forwards I kind of I take all the all the fail like I, I want to say Moab was a failure but it wasn't it was a learning it mm. was a great learning for me because I kind of went into Moab I no idea what to expect um I uh, yeah it was just the trail was a lot more trickier than I thought it would be. It was just, there were so many other elements that I hadn't taken into my training. Um, and I kind of, when I, when I got to the aid station where they, um, told me I wasn't going to, cause I didn't make the cutoff. I did. I burst, I was heartbroken. Mm. I burst into tears. I was like, oh, and I was like sobbing, like ugly tears, like really ugly. And everyone's like, are you okay? Did you hurt something? I'm like, no, I just didn't finish. And it was like, I was, I had all these emotions. Cause I mean, you, so these, these, like, especially with Moab, I put everything into it. Like it was training. It was, it was like, you kind of put a life on a hold a little bit. But what I took out from there, I I knew that there was like things I could have done better and stuff. So I I kind of I try and switch it a little bit into more of a positive. So it's like you because I always everything is a lesson. Like you can learn from everything, but you just need to be open to that and not look at the negative. Oh yeah. Cause I could have, I could have like spent the rest of the week and just feeling really sorry for myself and saying, Oh yeah, I failed big time and I'm never going to run again and stuff like that. But I didn't because I just felt, you know what, that race, I showed up, I tried. I, yeah, I failed in a big way. Um, but it's not over and I'll try again. So it's like, I might even do Moab another five times and fail five times but eventually the sixth time I'll get to the finish line so he's kind of just putting that in perspective and just just trying to get the 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 positive side out of it like what have I learned what am I going to do better next time and just yeah just keep on with the journey that's such a such valuable wisdom for anyone I think and I I mean just to put it in context as well it's called Moab 240 because it's 240 miles like so (laughs) see I don't do easy I don't I think anyone's gonna kind of like have there's gonna be a journey that happens there and it's not all gonna be good (laughs) but I know for you like because you had put so much into it as well and having to adapt your training in such a way yeah it's gonna be a big hit and the fact that you know pulled yourself up and seen like yeah if I've got to do this you know a hundred times so it's gonna <laughs> it'll happen at some point I might slide... will, yeah, I'll cross the finish line <laughs> it might be sliding on your bum but like that's again it's like let's move to your 104 marathons um when did that idea get planted <laughs> Um, yeah, I kind of, it was December last year. It kind of, I'd seen on social media. I didn't even know it was a thing. I was like, and, um, someone had done like Alyssa had done 95 marathons in 95 days. And I kind of, I was like, Oh, I was intrigued by it. I'm like, firstly, why would you want to do that? Cause it just seems really crazy. <laughs> but on the other hand, I was like, Oh, this would be a good challenge. <laughs> and then, and then I literally, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. And I, and it was more of a thing to see if I could do it. And, and I was like, man, I'm an ultra runner, 26.2 miles a day. Oh, that'd be easy, right? Yeah. Yes, fine. And, and it was like, just, I, I thought, you know what, it would be really cool if someone like me did it too. Like, cause it was always, it was always able bodies doing it and, and, and things. And I was like, you know what, for a change, it would be nice if someone like me kind of came in and did it. And hopefully along the way, I'd like inspire others. Cause if I could do hard things, then you could do hard things, like type of thing. So it kind of, it kind of came with that a little bit. Um, and then, yeah. And I was, I was like, well, this is going to be a big project. Cause I'm not sure if my running blade would last that long. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, it was like such an unknown. Um, but I wanted to give it a shot and see what happens. 
it's so funny because I'm I, I'm a teacher and like you usually tell kids like don't copy the things that you see on TikTok and Instagram and it's just, don't, yeah, don't copy me don't don't do it but in this case it led to something really quite incredible um I mean like what was what was there a kind of specific training block that you had going up to that or did you just kind of start one day I just started. Just started. <laughs> um, yeah, it was the original plan was like it was going to be a good baseball thing because I was going to do Moab. I was going to give Moab this year another go. So, so I was like, oh, it'd be a good baseball thing. I'll be so fit <laughs> for Moab. It'd be great. <laughs> um, but the reality, it was yeah, it was it was yeah, it was brutal. It was um, yeah, I'm yeah. I wouldn't recommend doing it. No, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> well, I think there's a reason that it's a record for it. Like, that's why, that's why, um, why it counts as a record that it's going to be tough. And I mean, what was it apart from like that you don't wouldn't recommend doing it? What was your experience of actually doing it? I mean, like getting mentally and physically, I guess, because you've just got to keep getting up and doing it yeah, again and again. Yeah. It was definitely more mental than physical. Um, it's weird. Like, I thought it was going to be more physical. I thought my body would give up before. Um, but it was, like, the first week my body struggled. Like, I was, like, I was struggling with shins because I was I was having to do a lot more road running, and I'm used to trails. Mm. So had that brutal pounding of the pavement, like, that tore my body up. I was like, oh, my goodness, this hurts. But then, but it's weird. It's like, and that's where I think it's even given me more of a gratitude for, for our bodies because my body my did a shift and it just, it started adapting and it started getting stronger. But where I was really struggling was mentally because it was, it was tough. Like every morning you'd get up and like, oh, what am I doing today? Oh yeah, I'm running another 26.2 miles. And it was just, it was just kind of having that like, in your mind the whole time that today you're going to have to do another marathon and just, so I had to, I had to really like work to be positive and just kind of keep going. Um, yeah. Cause my body was fine. But I remember when I got to marathon number 50, I was like, Oh, I'm done now. I'm, I'm like 50 marathons in 50 days. That's great. That's a good accomplishment. And I'm so done, but it was like, so I got, I, I had to, I was kind of a little bit angry with myself because I was like getting to that point where I wanted to quit. And I was like, no, I'm not quitting. I'm going to keep doing this. Um, and so I kind of just focused on one step at a time. So then I, I would do like one mile. Um, I'd like target, like just get to one mile and then get to one mile. And then I'd like do this like little celebration. Yeah, yeah, I made one mile. And then the next one, I swear, I must have looked like a crazy person. Like if anyone saw me running around, they were like, what is this woman doing? And like, I'd like every mile like celebrate. And so, and that really helped because it was like, I was playing this trick on my my, my mind just to kind of just keep me going. And and I also had my kids, my kids would check on on me um, like in the mornings before they went to school. They're like, mommy, are you going to do your marathon today? I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to. <laughs> and then, and then, they, and then they get home. They go, "Did you finish it?" And I was like, "Can you imagine letting letting a nine year old child down?" Like, can, I could just see my daughter going, "You didn't finish it. I'm so disappointed." I was like, "Okay, I'm finishing it. I'm finishing it." <laughs> was there a kind of cutoff point in your head that when you get to 104, that's going to be it? Because I mean, I, you could easily, I, if the kids keep bouncing down the stairs every morning, did they eventually want you to stop? <laughs> they did. It was actually when I hit 104, they were like, mommy, are you going to finish now? Because it kind of was on a weekend and stuff. And I think for them, bless them, it got to the point where it was, it was tough because that's all our life was just me running. Like mm. we weren't doing anything on weekends and stuff. It was literally just running. So it was kind of, it was a good time to start. I kind of wish I had gone to 110 part of me, but that was more me being selfish. Um, but it was a good time to stop because it was time to stop so I can spend some time with the kiddos and stuff. And they, both of them had such, I mean, they've been so, they, they had been so supportive through the whole journey but they had the biggest smiles on their faces when I finally finished because they were like, oh, now we've got mum back. Mm -hmm. And so it was kind of that. 
I mean, how do your how do your husband and your kids kind of react to you doing these things in the first place? So usually, <laughs> um, it's usually when I tell them, it's usually followed with an eye roll, um, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, here we go again." <laughs> <laughs> she's on to the next one <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and you mentioned there the word gratitude which sort of came up a little bit at the beginning of our conversation but maybe in a in a slightly different context because we were also kind of framing it as well you don't that sort of pressure to feel grateful but it seems to be a common theme that gratitude can also sort of keep you going and would you say that gratitude is kind of your your superpower yeah. in a way yeah I'm I'm always it's kind of one of those things where I um I do realize I'm here I'm able to run and I just feel like when I'm when I'm struggling with running like even well life running and I'm like we I get to do this it's like I actually I am lucky there are so many people that would want to do this so it's kind of just looking at life looking at trying to see the good in everything like like just yeah and if you I, I honestly believe if you look at life through the eyes of gratitude it just becomes such a better place it's just like because I, I think we kind of get honed in on the negativity and if we look at the positive side we'd be so much happier um and that's kind of what I struggle uh, that's what I kind of focus on and and when I mean when things get tough especially with the marathon things things did get tough I mean there was a few times where I stopped halfway and I was like I don't know if I can finish this but then you kind of look around and you're like you know what wow I'm out here I'm able to do this and just kind of it just changes perspective a little bit I mean there's so much to learn about your just your mindset from that Jackie because like uh, you know you could have thrown in uh, on any of these things that you do like you could very understandably throw in the towel at any point <laughs> and no one was going to judge you and but you haven't and like that just takes such strength of character and as you say like as have you got a tattoo saying you can do hard things I think I do yeah I, I think I saw it on it. Instagram you might not be able to oh, it's oh, like it's going into the, like the faded oh, background yeah. but yeah yeah I've got, yeah, I've got my arm <laughs> and just like that I mean, and that's kind of my little reminder especially with doing the marathon thing was that when I when I struggle it's just a reminder again like wait a minute you did you did all those marathons you can do hard things you can suck it up and it's just like so it, it was yeah I'm glad I got it done is there a limit to what you think you can do have you found do you um, think you found I your limit found it yet, so we'll see <laughs> I'll let you know when I do. <laughs> I'm just, I'm so excited for what you come up with next. <laughs> it is it is going to be totally insane. Um. <laughs> but you just I mean just you being you, Jackie. Like you, you you don't have to you don't have to do these things. But I think just your your joy and verve for life and and just your relentless positivity and that sense of gratitude is just like you are just so much enough just as you are and you inspire so many people and the fact that you document these experiences as well for others to learn from what what's like the message to other amputees that you kind of hope to kind of be setting with the example I just I just think um you shouldn't you shouldn't limit yourself and I think it's not just for amputees it's just for everyone really Mm -hmm. but I just feel like um it's hard when you've become an amputee and it's in it's and and that's why I'm so open about my journey and kind of put, put it out there because I want others to learn from me obviously I don't expect every single person to do what I do but it's just to show that you know what no you do not have to be limited you can put if you put your mind to something don't listen to people that say no just go for it and give it a try and see what happens do you think also there's um I mean we, we've sort of touched on it throughout the conversation um about language and do you yeah. think that we still have a way to go in terms of the perception of and the language that we use around amputees and, and disability I, and, and and able-bodied and things like that like I think so because there definitely is um and it and it was weird like like a lot of the times I was always referred to as this amputee and I, I put that on my bio that I'm an amputee and stuff like that because I'm I'm proud of being an amputee but it, the perception was like the tone a lot of the articles like a lot of the times when people write articles about me it's just 
oh, but she's an amputee. The tone is a little different, like what they would do for anyone, like an able-bodied athlete. And but with the marathon thing, it was the shift was there. It like the tones had changed. Like suddenly, I was referred to as an athlete mm-hmm. versus just oh, just an amputee. Like it, it was that kind of. It was like there was more of a respect, and I think that that is kind of where we need to shift it a little bit. That there, there is not like oh wow, she's doing oh, but she's. It's more of a respect that we can do what. Like we, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know if I'm putting that across right, but it's just that then, yeah, there definitely needs to still some work to be done there. Yeah, I mean, it's just re- respecting you as a, as a as a person and what you've achieved, which is freaking amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> regardless of anything else, but then you've just been through all of this shit as well. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of balance right, I guess. I don't know. I'm like, oh, whatever. And talking of balance, like you, I mean, okay, as well, like as well as being this incredible athlete, like you also, as I mentioned in my introduction, like you balance everything else as well. And like, how do you, how do you get that balance? Do you get a balance? Like, because you're, you're an amazing mum. You get a balance in a different way. Like it's, it's like my house is always a mess. Um, so you kind of you choose you choose that like you you work with things you can control like it's just like little things like a messy house doesn't become a big deal anymore and it's just like you just kind of choose what is your priorities change I guess um so you can balance things so it's just priorities are just different yeah and and yeah and then you just work everything around it (laughs) yeah yeah And finally, Jackie, um, I know you, you've got the, uh, the I can do hard things tattooed on your arm. Do you have any other life mantra or saying? Um, I, I, the, the other one that I always use a lot, which it kind of comes down with that, is that you're capable of so much more than what you think you are. And it kind of kind of blends in with you can do hard things. Um, so I'm, I always say that to everyone, that you're just so much more capable than you think you are. Um, I think we just need to, one, stop comparing ourselves to others, I guess, but also just just willing to take a risk and just take a risk. And yeah, because I think there's this whole stigma of it's weird. Like like people won't sign up for a race because they might not finish it or they, they might fail at it and stuff. And I think there's this whole stigma where it's okay to fail. It's okay not to like, you rather try and see what happens. And and I tell my kids that all the time. Give it a try. And if if you don't if you don't finish it, then that's okay. Then we practice some more and we kind of try again. And just like I think it's like we need to change that a little bit in people's thinking that you just it's better to try than not try at all, I always say. Yeah, and I love I love that, that that's kind of been consistent in your narrative as well. This like relentless curiosity of, oh well, I'll just see what happens. Like <laughs> that's cool. No one's done that before. Like, let's have a go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh. <laughs> and we need more of that. I think we need more of that in the world. That's how things get done. That's how things get changed. And that's how Exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's how people like you do amazing things as you do too. Um and my final question, which I ask all my guests, is what does joy mean to you, Jackie? Currently, you are meaning joy to me because you are just like <laughs> such a joy. But what does think, it mean to you? I think joy is just, joy is doing things that make you happy. Like looking right inside you. And if, if like, if running wasn't, if running wasn't making me happy anymore, then I'd need to relook at it. But it's just doing things that make you happy. And, and because life's short, like, life's short to be I mean it's short to be miserable it's like before you know it life's over and so you need to live in the moment and you never know what's what's going to happen tomorrow like tomorrow I could get another cancer diagnosis and then you know what I mean so it's just like live in the moment and do things that make you happy thank you I mean I think sometimes people think you're being macabre when you sort of think like well we're all gonna die but yeah we are all gonna die so like (laughs) it is life is short (laughs) doesn't that make life beautiful and worth kind of worth fighting for worth doing things for and 
Thank you so much, Jackie. I've learned so much from this conversation. God, thank you. Um, thank you for inviting me on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's been so lovely to connect. And I just hope that, you know, that anyone who listens to this, there are just incredible takeaways. And as you say, yeah, you can do hard things and you don't and have curiosity about life and, and the opportunities that it gives. And you are just an amazing shining example of that. So just thank you for being you and, and for showing oh. up for others and, and sharing that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Take care and we'll look forward to seeing all of your, <laughs> all of the madness unfold. <laughs> and I'll, I'll put links obviously to, to your Instagram and, and, and things in the show notes so cool. that people can see thank that and, and be as inspired as I've been. <laughs> I am so grateful to the community that is growing around the podcast and if you've enjoyed today's episode I would so appreciate if you can share it with your communities and help spread the message of support, perseverance and joy further. If you have any feedback or suggestions for future guests you can find me on Instagram at running underscore on underscore joy. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time for Running on Joy.